This program contains terminology describing the human reproductive system. Parental discretion is advised for younger listeners. Welcome to Faith and Science. Just the other day I went to a lecture on uh, on the immune system and it was um, yeah really fascinating to learn some um, of some of the areas again of the complexity of the immune system particularly the the human immune system and um, I was reminded, actually, I saw on my bookshelf uh, a book that I uh, bought uh, you know, decades ago. It was called The Body at War by uh, Professor John uh, Dwyer, who was uh, at that time Professor of Medicine at the University of New South Wales. And he was ranked as one of the world's uh, most experienced uh, clinical immunologists. And in, uh, in, in particular, of course, the, the whole um, concept of um, or the whole process of, of human conception, the beginning of human life, is, um, uh, has a very, very interesting um, involvement with the immune system. And um, it's quite fascinating that uh, a paper was published well, just a, a few years ago now in um, uh, the uh, journal Science Immunology back on the uh, volume number 2, issue 15 back on the 1st of September 2017 and it was uh, the article was titled An Immune Clock of Human Pregnancy and it was about the immunology immunological clock um, and this was cutting edge, re- edge research that um, was published uh, back in 2017 and I remember there were a lot of um, articles uh, published in the media about this uh, discovery about um, the immune function as altered during pregnancy to actually protect the fetus from immunological attack, attack um, by the uh, by the mother's immune system, and uh, the uh, research that was done, looking on um, uh, at at this process, and scientists trying to understand and get a handle on this process, and I find it fascinating that the maintenance and pregnancy relies on this finely tuned uh, immune adaptions um, which are precisely timed and uh, in actual fact reflect an immune clock of pregnancy uh, during the uh, pregnancy. And, of course, there's really complex biochemical uh, components um, make up this uh, all these different reactions that are precisely timed to kick in at just the right time to preserve uh, the little baby as it's growing in its mother's womb. And when I think about the the fact that all these chemicals are encoded for, 
the process to make these chemicals, uh, the chemical reactions that release them at just the right time are all encoded for in the DNA. And of course, the evolutionary story that we're told is that these processes all arose by random, blind, emphasis on blind, mutations or changes to the genetic code that somehow produced this system that works. And I, I think it becomes you know, very obvious that random mutations aren't going to produce this complex biochemistry. When we look at uh, human you know, fertilisation, which we, we're taught in, in school is the union of the human egg and sperm, um, uh, which occurs in the, uh, uh, in the bend in the fallopian tube initially, and this union leads to the production of a fertilised egg, which is called uh, a zygote, and, um, and then it develops into the, the little baby. And so this all sounds, you know, fairly simple, um, the egg and the sperm meat thing. But when we drill down into this process, the biochemistry is extremely complex. So if we go to the next level, we can say, well, the process of fertilisation involves the sperm fusing with a, an egg and then the um, fertilisation occurs. But when we look at this, this process and drill down again a little bit further, um, it becomes a little bit more process. So upon uh, encountering the egg, I remember reading, um, then there's a, an acrosome on the head of the sperm that produces enzymes which allow it to burrow through the outer shell of the uh, little egg, um, which is called the zona pellucia of the egg and the sperm plasma then fuses with the egg's plasma membrane and their nuclei fuse together triggering the sperm head to disconnect it um, from its flagellum and that's the little um, propeller sort of system, the long trails that are out behind the the sperm like on other like on bacteria as well and uh, the egg uh, as the egg travels down the fallopian tube to reach the um, uterus, so the as a, the so that part of the the sperm the uh, disconnect the flagellum disconnects as the egg moves down the fallopian tube. And okay, this all sounds very simple, but to make all this happens, um, the there's a whole lot of biochemistry that is precisely timed and is controlled by chemical reactions and, and enzymes. Um, so it's interesting that um, for the fertilisation to occur, then the sperm have to swim towards the egg. And it's interesting that the, the sperm are attracted to uh, progesterone, which is actually secreted from the cumulus cells that surround the, um, the little egg. And so, again, when we drill down into this thing, we, we, we think, okay, we've got a little egg, but this little egg has special cells on the surface, the cumulus cells, and these cells, again, release progesterone, which, again, we, we know is a hormone, female hormone. And 
Also, though, the sperm uh, have little uh, sensors in them right, that detect the um, uh, progesterone levels that are circulating there in the, the fluids in that part of the body. And they swim, they're programmed to swim towards the highest um, level of or the more concentrated level. Now, in order to do that, of course, they have to um, direct themselves. And there's a whole logic system that controls the direction of their uh, flagella so that they swim in that particular direction. And so the information that is received um, that uh, with regard to chemical gradients, and so there's a chemical gradient that is detected, and as a result of that, um, there has to be control of the um, uh, directions of the flagella to swim in that direction. And this is quite a quite a complex system, and I, you know I've talked in the past of the amazing. Um, motor system, for example, in the flagella of an E. coli bacteria. But uh, again, um, the sperm, before it gets there, it has to be what is called um, uh, capaci- uh, 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 capacitated. We, I can, you know, I'll come back to that um, in a second. But it's interesting that um, the progesterone that binds to uh, a uh, what they call a cat spur receptor on the sperm membrane. So again, these are other specialised membranes that have specialised structures that are all encoded for in the DNA. And remember, according to the evolutionary theory, all these structures arose by random mutations in a code, and the code is represented by... Uh, is made up of four chemical compounds that we represent by the letters A, C, T and G, and which is a language just like we write the word apple, A-double-P-L-E, that you know, writes the word for an apple. Uh, but A-double-P-L-E doesn't look anything like an apple. It's just code. And the same, the DNA code. Um, and so just like, just imagine how many times a two-year-old would have to type on a typewriter just to write the word apple, if you wanted the needed the word apple to be typed, uh, just imagine how long it would take him. And eventually he would probably do it. We can work out the probability, but it's quite a long time. Well, the same thing refers to blind mutations, which are far more complex than the word apple, the, the genetic code to make these compounds, such as the Katzberg receptor on the sperm. And this is where the theory of evolution really breaks down. It can't explain this amazing complexity. So again, the progesterone uh, binds the Katzberg receptor on the sperm membrane and increases intracellular calcium levels, which then increase hyperactivity of motility. So it increases the um, sort of power, or whatever you might say, on the little sperm flagella. The sperm then continue to swim towards the higher concentrations of progesterone, effectively guiding it to the egg. And so, again, uh, though, um, for the sperm at the beginning of the process, the sperm itself undergoes changes. 
So it's because it's interesting that uh, freshly ejaculated sperm is unable to pour or very poorly able to fertilise an egg. The sperm itself must first undergo what's called capacitation in the female reproductive tract. And it's interesting that the uterus aids the steps of capacitation by secreting sterile binding albumin, lipoproteins, um, and protolytic and glycosidic enzymes. Um, one of those is hesperin. So these uh, compounds and enzymes again increase the motility of the sperm and also hypo, what they call hyperpolarizes uh, the membrane which prepares it for what they call the acrosome reaction, uh, which is a change that occurs in the head of the sperm to enable it um, to release the enzymes so that it get through, can get through the egg's tough membrane or egg coat, which surrounds uh, the egg. Um, and so the uh, capacitation of the sperm, which, as it's called, as it comes into this process. So you can see there's an interaction between compounds in the female and compounds from the male uh, that actually prepare the sperm so that it can fertilise the egg. And uh, the capacitation reactions have two effects. Um, they actually destabilise the, um, the sperm head membrane, uh, which allows it then to penetrate the outer layer of the egg. And it produces chemical changes in the tail that allow greater mo mobility of the sperm. Um, and these changes are, again, are facilitated by the removal of uh, uh, long uh, or compounds that we call sterols, such as cholesterol, and um, also um, bound um, seminal uh, glycoproteins. So these are uh, protein sugar co compounds. And the result is a more fluid membrane with an increased permeability to the calcium ion. Um, and as I was um, talking about earlier, that influx of calcium ions produces increased um, intracellular, what they call uh, C-AMP levels uh, or cyclic adenosine monophosphate. <laughs> That's the chemical name. And this is a particular chemical um, uh, signalling um, compound. It's called a, a second messenger, which um, produces uh, cellular signalling uh, within cells. And so these uh, compounds, uh, sec what, that are called second messengers, they trigger physiological changes at the cellular level, um, and such as proliferation, differentiation, um, all sorts of different compounds. And it's interesting that uh, Dr. Earl Wilbur Sutherland, um, he discovered second messenger cells and won the Nobel Prize in 1971, the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine. And so, again, these specialised compounds are all encoded for in the DNA. And, again, 
according to evolutionary theory, the, the chemistry, the biochemistry to produce these compounds arose by blind, random mutations in the code, massive changes in the code, but all worked. All worked to produce these changes because without these changes, fertilisation isn't going to ha- happen. No new life is going to form from the union of the male and female gamete cells. And um, the hyperactivation, which coincides with the onset of uh, capacitation and is the result of the increased calcium levels, um, has a synergistic effect um, with another compound called adenosine that increases another compound called adenyl cyclase activity in the sperm. So what, and the reason I'm uh, talking about these, you know, chemical names is that these are all chemical compounds, specific chemical compounds that have to be produced or the whole system doesn't work. It's extremely complex. You know, and as I mentioned, that paper in 2017, and I noticed there was another paper uh, published in uh, 2020 also, that um, is where scientists are still working on trying to understand the complexity of fertilisation because, as we know, there are so a uh, large number of um, couples today are finding it difficult to conceive and have a baby. And so in order for medicine to be able to help these uh, people, they're trying to understand better the system. So what we can see is that the reason why there are, uh, you know, one of the problems that with conceiving is that so many things can go wrong. And one of these things, if it does go wrong, then conception doesn't occur. And yet the evolutionary theory talks about how all this amazing, extremely complex biochemistry evolved by random chances of random chance mutations. And yet if something doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, there's no new life. So there's no, you know, process available for even natural selection because nothing's going to happen. And to me, this is just powerful evidence for amazing creator that put together this amazing system that allows us to to reproduce. You know, there, there's there's so much more. The uh, the tripeptide, which is called the uh, fertilisation promoting peptide (FPP), is again essential for controlling capacitation. So this is another compound, another. Uh, that uh, a protein, a peptide, the FPP is produced in the prostate gland as a component of seminal fluid. And when the FPP comes in contact with the little sperm uh, as it's mixed, um, because the uh, seminal fluid, of course, comes from the prostate gland, the spermazoa themselves come from the testes, they're mixed, during the process of ejaculation and the sperm and the when the sperm and the seminal fluid mix. Now the high levels of active FPP prevent the capacitation, but after ejaculation the concentration of FPP drops in the female reproductive tract. And that allows then the acrosome reaction to occur. So here we see, again, in the male reproductive system, we have these special 
fertilisation um, uh, promoting peptides, FPP, produced as part. So the acrosome reaction is the reaction that occurs in the uh, um, the head of the sperm, the acrosome. So this is a little, uh, sort of like a, a little hollow dome part that is at the head of the sperm. And this reaction begins to occur as the sperm approaches the egg. So this acrosome, it's, it's like a little membrane that covers a little cavity at the uh, tip of the sperm, uh, the spermazoon. <laughs> and uh, as the sperm uh, approaches the outer shell of the egg, um, the membrane uh, surrounding the uh, this acrosome or the head of the sperm fuses with the plasma membrane of the uh, sperm's head and exposes the contents of this little acrosome, this little cavity at the top. And the contents include surface antigens which enable uh, binding to the egg's uh, shell membrane, and then a number of enzymes that are responsible for breaking through or dis- helping to dissolve the egg's tough coating, which then allows fertilisation to occur. Now, the sperm actually binds through another uh, uh, structure called the corona radiata, which are a layer of follicle cells on the outside of the um, little egg. So again, these are more specialised cells that all have to be programmed according to the DNA code. Um, But there's more. The corona radiator send out chemicals that attract the sperm in the fallopian tube. And uh, we talked about that uh, earlier. There's all these particular glycoproteins that surround the, um, the, the little egg there. Um, when the little uh, sperm or spermazoan is about to pierce uh, the yolk of the little egg, uh, the orplasm, is drawn out into a conical elevation um, called the cone of attraction or receptive cone. And once the spermazoan has entered... A peripheral portion of the egg yolk changes into a membrane uh, called the um, uh, prevotelline membrane, uh, which prevents the passage then of additional spermazoa. So once the first sperm has got in, these changes also occur that present there that prevent usually, <laughs> um, and we know um, you can have uh, paternal twins can sometimes occur, but that's the mechanism that presents, uh, prevents more sperm from fertilising the, the egg once that occurs. And again, for me, the emphasis is here. This is amazing biochemistry. The, all these specific structures, all these different types of cell membranes, they're, they're different types of biological structures that have to be assembled and uh, put together, they, there are chemical reactions that are occurring that produce the different enzymes and other compounds and peptides and proteins and all this sort of thing. They all have to be encoded for in this code, which is a massive code. And we know in humans, you know, with four billion uh, letters um, or thereabouts in our code. 
There's so much complexity, and this is just in the fertilisation of an egg so that um, we can reproduce. And it's slightly different in in different other animals too and and different other um, uh, species. Um, In in many species, uh, the sperm doesn't require capacitation. It's available and it can fertilise an egg immediately. Um, and, and rats have a slightly different system to humans as well. For example, a lot of work is done studying uh, on the reproductive system as looking at rats. But again, there's slight changes and differences in the biochemistry, but it all works. And the bottom line is it's extremely complex. Um, there's, uh, um, you know, there's so much more that... Um, we can, you know, we can uh, talk about in terms of amazing biochemical compounds that are in sperm. And as I mentioned at the the, the start of um, this talk here, um, the recent paper that was uh, just uh, published in 2017 about the fine tuning of the uh, immune system because, you know, the um, the seminal fluid uh, that uh, carries the uh, the sperm from the male um, has um, quite uh, powerful antioxidant or a sort of anti sorry anti inflammatory uh, characteristics which help then suppress the uh, immune system. In the in the female, so that the uh, uh, the female's immune system doesn't destroy um, the the sperm. There's this really delicate balance that um, occurs. And as I was reading, uh, sorry, in the lecture uh, that uh, I heard just the other day, is uh, um, as the uh, the sperm uh, as the little fertilized egg. Uh, then has moved into the um, into the uterus area. I think it's about uh, six days later. Um, again, it's carrying foreign foreign proteins from the from the sperm from the male, um, which would normally be attacked by the immune system there. But there's a special um, covering that has developed uh, that protects it from the immune system. Uh, from being destroyed in the immune system and allows it to bind successfully to the wall of the uterus. The the complexity uh, and the timing and and of course the uh, this article was published in Science Immunology was looking at the amazing timing of all the the processes that occur. Um, so that everything just works at just the right time. To me, this is such powerful evidence for an amazing creator, God, designer. And the whole purpose of these programs is to encourage you um, in your own personal lives to get to know that creator, God. Um, And we can learn about him in the Bible um, which is there's so much evidence that the account, the biblical account, was inspired revelation from the Creator God Himself. You've been listening to Faith and Science. Um, if we want to re-listen to these programs, remember us Google uh, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Click on the radio and the listen buttons for Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Have a great day. Thank you.
You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.